Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready, here, ready, here, ready, here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you, the voice of Ryan Treasure. The future? I don't remember whether I said this is the future or the past, so I'm just going to go up in the air. There you go. There you go. Welcome, Technology Revolution. Happy to be here. I want to say thank you and great appreciation to our almost 200,000 listeners around the world and thousands more who will live stream, view us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Very, very happy to have you on board and appreciate your loyalty as listeners and viewers. Happy to have you here. We have an interesting topic today. Haven't covered this in a long, long time. So I'm just going to say vroom and zoom. And if that gives you an idea, yes, we're talking about automotive today. And I've been doing a, I'll call it a sub-series on the impact of AI, artificial intelligence, it's here. We can't make it go away. So get over it. Good, bad, or ugly. We're talking about the good. We're going to talk today about everything, the future of automotive and AI. So let me get started with my opening monologue in full admission. I did query chat GPT. I used that for my monologues and I said, good morning. I'm very polite to chat GPT. It, it responds better. There is a little sentient, little hint of humanity and their empathy. I think I've seen it. I said, tell me about the future of cars and AI. And here's what I got. The future of cars and AI is exciting and rapidly evolving. Potential ways these technologies could help shape the future, autonomous driving. I think we know about that. Personalization. That's interesting. Maintenance, hmm, sustainability and mobility as a service. And then of course, it always gives me a warning as with any new technology, there are also potential ethical and societal implications to consider. Concerns around, everybody's talking, job loss, potential for AI-powered vehicles to be hacked or manipulated. We don't want to go there. Then I said, ChatGP, tell, tell me about the status of autonomous cars. And it says, gave me two examples. Waymo, a subsidiary of Alphabet, has been testing its self-driving cars across the U.S. And Tesla has been rolling out advanced driver assistance features in its vehicles. I asked one more question. Tell me about EVs, electric vehicles. And it said, EVs are becoming more prevalent. Potential ways they could shape the future of transportation, increased adoption, cost reduction, range improvement. How far will that battery take you? Charging infrastructure in an apartment building, a shopping center, a ball near you, who knows, vehicle to grid, V to G technology. So then I did one of my favorite things with ChatGPT. I said, send me some movie quotes about cars. Ooh, and I always get excited about this because I don't know exactly what it's going to say. So there is a quote from the Transporter 2002 movie, Frank Martin, played by Jason Statham. Okay, muscles and all. Says it's not about the car you drive, it's about the driver. Listen, well, that interesting when we get into AI. Then I have a quote from Brian O'Connor, played by Paul Walker in Too Fast, Too Furious, 2003. What's the point of having a car if you're not going to drive it? And I will ask my panelists today if they still will have the keys in their pocket and driving their own car, let's say in five years from now. Then we have a quote from Lightning McQueen, voiced by Will Owen Wilson in Cars, of course, 2006. Cars are just machines. They don't have a heart. I have one from Tony Stark, of course, Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man 2008. Why do you need to control everything? Let the car do the work. Doesn't that sound interesting? Kelly likes that. And one from James Bond in his Daniel Craig era, Casino Royale 2006. There's a special bond between a man and his car. And I will say between a woman and her car. And then I will say between a person and their car. I think we still know that. So on the panel today, I have my good friend and former colleague at SAP, Tom Madonna. Tom, say hello. There he is. Smile and wave. We have Jeremy Byrne, newcomer to the show. Jeremy, wave hello. We have Kelly Lindsay. Hello, Kelly. You got all those logos straight in your background. You've got a wonderful background. She'll tell us why. And James Cho. James, welcome. So happy to have you here. And I'm going to ask them for their take on the future of everything automotive, EVs, chips, batteries, self-driving, and AI. What would George Jetson say? Let's go around the table and get some introductions here. Tom Madonna, 
you know me, I did the math. I did a very complex calculation. And I said, how many times has Tom been on radio with me and on live stream? I'm guessing it's probably more than 20 times in the past 12 years, I'm guessing. You're probably one of my most frequent guests on different shows, different iterations, different sponsors. Tom, there are right now 9.723 people in the world who don't remember you. I'm so sorry to give you that statistic. Don't be insulted. So would you please talk to them? The rest of you have to go to the whole world. You can tell everybody about yourself. Tom, would you please bring us up to date? What have you been up to? And if you want to make a little nod to your family, I know it's growing rapidly. Tom, welcome back. Talk to me. So since last time we met, I've become a grandpa twice. So I've got uh, both of the uh, two daughters have had uh, a grandson and a granddaughter. So happy there. But uh, hello, viewers. Uh, it's been uh, about a year since my last uh, visit to, uh, to the technology revolution. Um, it's been uh, fun-filled as far as uh, how I got here. Um, I've been working in, the, in and out of the automotive business and uh, manufacturing for 30-plus uh, years. I was uh, told recently by a colleague to put the plus on and not to actually lead the the full number of years onto it. Um, but uh, ultimately, uh, uh, since uh, the last visit, uh, I moved into a new role and I'm now uh, managing uh, a bunch of industry advisors um, that uh, cover all the services industries. So transportation is still part of that. Uh, but I started back uh, working in, uh, in automotive back when we were talking about manufacturing logistics um, all the way through, you know, warranty, customer service, et cetera. And it's interesting enough is that uh, as we've progressed through that, uh, we've seen different ways of wired connection, wireless connection. Uh, now, as we start to talk about machine learning, IoT, um, predictive, as well as the autonomous driving and EV, we see more and more technology going through. But you know, one of the things that uh, I mentioned in my quote was uh, you can't handle the truth uh, from Jack Nicholson and a few good men. We'll um, get there in a couple of minutes. So I'm going to make you give me another quote if you do that too soon. Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. So I'll leave that. I'll leave that open, and uh, I'll come back to it. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for joining me, and I want to thank you for help to recruit and engage the panel today. I really, you're the one I went to, and I said, Tom, it's time. We got to do automotive again. Come back, and you said yes, and I appreciate that. Let's go to our newcomers today, Jeremy Burns. So happy to meet you. Putting you on speaker view. Please introduce okay. yourself. Jeremy, welcome. Well, thank you very much. It's a real pleasure to be here, Bonnie, and uh, with such an esteemed panel, too. It's really lovely. Uh, it's actually quite coincidental because there's a big uh, conference and show going on in Detroit this week, uh, all about connected vehicles and the future of automotive. I'll probably be meeting Kelly there later. Uh, <laughs> so... If you did this on Friday, I'd be like two days smarter about it. I'd say. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, but I got into the automotive industry uh, when I was working for the British government. Uh, I was the vice consul uh, covering trade and investment in Ohio and Michigan, because obviously it's both jobs in the UK and jobs in the US and exports and trade. Um, the automotive industry loomed very large in that, if you look at that. So... I was traveling back and forth to Detroit a lot. Uh, when I left the consulate, I started my own consultancy and have been helping companies develop their business uh, in a variety of different ways. Since then, as a basically as an independent consultant, I've worked in media, uh, the Financial Times Automotive. Um, for example, I've worked for the Electric Drive Transportation Association, Bloomberg, a wide variety of different organizations. And uh, I guess it, it's, I'm, a fa I'm just fascinated by the automotive industry. It is a, it's, cars are the most complex things that you can make and the, that we interact with. Uh, the people who make them, it was mind, boggles my mind how cars are made still to this day. Uh, and yeah, I love the industry. And uh, I've been a, basically an industry watcher and professional schmoozer for the past uh, 30 years. So... But that will be the basis on which I make my uh, predictions and assumptions and forecasts. A professional schmoozer. I, I think I, nobody's ever called me that, but I think I'll join you in that club. I think I've had a lot right. of schmoozers on the show. Thank you. And thank you for, for expressing your interest and your passion for the industry, Jeremy. That's very, very important. That's why you're here. Uh, would George Jetson be surprised that we're talking about this? Just a yes or no from you, Jeremy, and I'll go around the panel as they introduce themselves. Would George Jetton say, 
it's about time already for what you're doing? Or would he say, eh, you don't have it right yet? What would he say, Jeremy? Uh, I think he'd say uh, it's coming, but it's it's going to take a while. Things Still move a lot time. slower than people hope. Off the animated screen. Thank you very much. Let's go to Kelly Lindsay. Kelly, so happy to have you here. Please do me the honor of introducing yourself. Welcome. Thank you, Bonnie, and thank you, listeners. Um, I'm going to be like Tom and say I've been in the automotive industry here in the Detroit area for 25 plus years. Um, I'm a recovering engineer and also um, because I've been in business development, product development, um, strategy development. I'm also a professional schmoozer as well, like Jeremy in the space. Um, I've had a pretty interesting career, never for an OEM, but across the tier ecosystem. So as a recovering engineer, I'm a chemical engineer, but I've worked in manufacturing engineering, um, more along the, the stamping and mellow forming areas. Um, as I was working in strategy there, um, I started looking at, wow, there's super cool things going on in the vehicle. I'd really like to do some work there. So then I went to an engineering consultancy that was working on powertrain and vehicle systems, and then also smart city and cybersecurity. Um, from there, um, but that was more strategy, product development type work. And I wanted to get some sales chops because there's a saying here in Detroit that you haven't done sales until you've done sales in automotive. It's a different game. The negotiation's different. It's tough. You know, you'll come out with the thickest skin on the planet. So I went to work for a semiconductor company working on um, camera systems and inverter systems. So autonomy, ADAS, and electrification, all front end, super fun stuff to be working on. But it was three years before the chip. Um, shortage was a headline. So this is around the 2017, 2018 timeframe. And I jumped into the job and it was already a shortage. And we were already, I'll tell you a little story. When I was at the manufacturing company, a stamping company put Chrysler down for a week and it was on the headlines and nobody thought, thought, forgot about it for a decade. And when I got to this semiconductor company, we were having line down calls with OEMs and nobody was talking about it. Um, so it was really a crazy, crazy situation. Uh, from there, I went to a software company, 20% owned by one of the big three. And they were um, they helped one of the big three extend into Asia with ERP, but the margins were getting smaller. And they said, hey, why don't we take a look at how we can accelerate artificial intelligence, machine learning, connected vehicle for the OEMs in the tier space. So did some work there. And then as that project closed out, I got this opportunity at Autotech Ventures. So I've had a crazy job of jumping across engineering domains, and now I've landed at Autotech Ventures, which is a venture capital firm that focuses on connected, autonomous, shared mobility, electrification, and digitization, artificial intelligence, and machine learning across anything that has to do with wheels. So suddenly all of those strange career, not career changes, but topic changes suddenly make sense. And it's super fun to see what's coming and what's next um, in all of these different spaces. So thank you. Kelly, Lindsay, thank you. What an interesting career, all of those threads that you say all, all make sense and all connect. Uh, the days of, I don't know if anybody remembers, there was a song decades ago, uh, 16 Tons, What Do You Get? by somebody named Tennessee Ernie Ford. Anybody, Tom, does that sound familiar? Jeremy, maybe? Uh, it was about being a company man, or God forbid I would have said a company woman in those days, but a company man. You worked your whole life for one company, and then all of a sudden it was okay to change jobs. And I'm on my seventh career and none of them are like any of the others. And life is more fun this way. Kelly, thank you. Very impressive background and really delighted to have you here. We'll talk about a spinoff on this show afterwards. I have some ideas for you, okay? <laughs> Already, I'm always, always recruiting for the show, looking months ahead. James Cho, so happy to have you here. We love to hear who you are and welcome. James, go ahead. Thank you, Bonnie. James Cho. Um, I lead the SAP group here at Bearing Point for U.S. But I started my journey in automotive about uh, 25 years ago and probably even before that. You know, I caught the bug when I watched American Graffiti for the first time and saw how a car, not even a car, a vehicle can transport literally not only your lifestyle but also your social life outside your neighborhood, which obviously growing out of uh, inner, inner city of Chicago caught my eye 
got me through. And incidentally, about that 25 years ago, that's when I ran into Tom Madonna. We worked ah. together at General Motors. That really combined my love of automotive, the freedom that it came, and of course, all the other things that came with it and continue my journey in consulting space. So for example, working on other OEMs like Ford, uh, Toyota, et cetera, automotive group really just brings in this family feel that I just felt right into it in my, in my culture and through my profession. All right, let's go to the quotes. And if you want to reconnect James and get a better better IP on this, that would be fine. That's up to you. So Tom Madonna, I've asked everybody to send me a fictional quote from a movie or a TV character or a song lyric that has nothing to do with automotive because I gave all the automotive quotes in the beginning of the show. That's why I do that. And we're going to find out what their quotes have. Tom, you went and jumped the gun, sir. You revved the engine early, sir. But we're going to pretend you didn't, okay? And this is one of our favorite quotes. Base Commander Colonel Nathan R. Jessup, USMC, <clears throat> played by the one and only Jack Nicholson in A Few Good Men, 1992 American legal drama based on Alan Sor Aaron Sorkin's 1989 play. Very, very interesting. I don't know if you know this, Tom, but Aaron Sorkin got the inspiration to write the play from a conversation with his sister who graduated from BU Law School, Boston University, and she signed up for three years with the U.S. Navy Judge Advocate, Advocate General. That's JAG. She was going to Guantanamo to defend a group of Marines who almost killed a fellow Marine in a hazing. And he wrote the story on cocktail napkins while he was bartending at a theater on Broadway. He came back to his room, his roommates and he had pooled their money to buy a Macintosh 512 computer. Anybody remember those? He took all the cocktail napkins out of his pocket when he got back and he typed them into the computer and that formed the basis for the play, which became the movie. There you go. So here's the quote, five words, packing a punch. Here we go, Tom. Take two minutes to explain this because you almost did. You can't handle the truth. Tom Madonna, tell us. Thanks, Bonnie. This kind of goes back to what Jeremy was saying. Um, this has been something that's been a long time coming. When you start talking about uh, AI and, and when it you know, was first introduced to the language, uh, you're, you're talking early 40s and 50s. Once we start getting into the science fiction to the reality, uh, you started things with uh, machine learning and then from machine learning into generative AI. And then eventually we'll get to intelligent AI. But as you start to think about uh, adaptive crews and uh, the hands-free uh, driving that's occurring, it's, it's an interesting process we're going through. And, and the legislation and the execution that goes with it is, is extremely uh, interesting as well as uh, deep and large in regards to the red tape. Um, I think that you know, as you start to talk about ch chat DPP, you start talking about things that are somewhere between three and four years old in regards to what's actually being pulled from that data. And so there, you know, Waymo was out at that point in time. So was, was Tesla, you know, now GM's got Super Cruise and other things that are, that are starting to come. These are all something that's being built. You know, there's only 200 roads that uh, Super Cruise can go on. Um, so as the new data structures come in play, the new legislation that comes in, goes through it, it's all gonna change. And so you can't handle the truth to me is, the truth is it's not here yet. The truth is it's coming. The truth is it's, uh, it's a bit far away. You know, at this point in time, uh, we start talking about uh, 2001 and, and Space Odyssey and things like that, you know, still, still science fiction. But in, in reality, AI is helping. AI is uh, making uh, the car smarter and safer. Uh, it is helping the driver become more aware. Mm -hmm. Will the car drive itself for extended periods of time in urban and rural areas? That's probably a ways out. Um, but at this, this point in time, I think as as the human being becomes uh, easier and more adaptive to looking at the bigger issues and the bigger items, the, the less mundane things will be there. Um, I expect that uh, just like EV and just like the execution of the autonomous structure, um, it's going to be mainstay, but it's going to be it's going to be multiple years out. Thank you very much. You did very, very well done, Tom. I forgive you. 
I appreciate that. That quote works for so many topics I do on this show. Before we go to Jeremy's quote, James, you want to finish your bio. I'm sorry. We're going to clean up all the gaps when you drop. Do you want to just give us a, another minute of the rest of your bio, James? I don't want to do, go on without that. Can you finish? Wow. Thank you for the offer, Bonnie. And uh, hopefully this will go through. But yes, I spent, like I said, 25 years in automotive in my career, um, spending many, many times with uh, OEs and suppliers. Ultimately, it's really a combination of my love for automotive in the sense of bringing accessibility for not only teenagers, but also, let's say, uh, like elderly, like my father, and bringing the AI into that space to really enable them to explore the world in ways that we never did before. And I see an exciting opportunity to do that through the combination of EV and AI. So I'd really love to be here, Bonnie. And, and again, it's one of the things that I'd like to bring to the table is the fact that I'm also not only just participating in the professional world, but you know, on the weekends, I'm a weekend mechanic working on my BMWs at four. And that really gives me a different perspective. And James Back and I on. exchanged pictures of our, our own Z4s. <laughs> I was a, a Nissan Z driver until an almost tragic accident in Durham about two years ago. I'm fine, but the car wasn't, and it was a miracle. Tom knows the story, and I won't go into it. But I ended up looking for another car that had a Z on it, and I couldn't find the, the Zs, the 370Zs were just, the second they appeared on one of those online sites or in a dealer, they were bought without even a description. They were just getting grabbed. And one day I went down, um, it was in somewhere in, in Durham, North Carolina. I drove down what I'll call car dealer row. They had several of them. And I pulled into a Chevy dealer and they had all kinds of used cars out front. And I'm looking to see if there was anything exciting in a convertible and exotic and all that. And a young man comes up on a golf cart. I had no idea who he was. He must've been about 25. And he said, Hey, what are you looking for? I said, do you work here? And he said, yeah. I said, what are you looking for? And I told him, he said, give me five minutes. He goes down the road to a Land Rover sister dealer for the Chevy and comes back with a black all leather Z4 convertible BMW. 2019, 2022, 2019, this was two years ago. And it was low mileage and it was gorgeous and no smoker. We sat down, we made the deal. I wrote a check an hour later and he brought it to my house the next day. That's how I got that car, James. And it was it was like it was waiting for me with the Z on the back of the car. But I had to learn how to drive a computer on four wheels because my Z, my 370, wasn't that automated, if I could use that word. It wasn't that fancy. And it was a great road car. But anyway, that was so James and I have been exchanging pictures and your car is absolutely gorgeous. We'll ask everybody what they're driving. Thank you, James. Let's go to Jeremy, let's go to your quote. You picked a quote from, wow, this is Spinal Tap, 1984 American rockumentary film. And the scene is David S. St. Hubbins, played by Michael McKean, says, it's such a fine line between stupid and uh, and Nigel Tufnell, played by Christopher Guest, says, clever. And David says, yeah, and clever. Now, I have no idea what any of this means, but I will tell you <clears> that this is Spinal Tap was mostly improvised and dozens of hours of improv lines were filmed and that made the movie and it launched the mockumentary genre. So there you go. Jeremy, it's such a fine line between stupid and uh, clever. What does this have to do with our topic? <laughs> well, it's certainly one of my favorite movies and uh, I laugh every time I see it. So it's so quotable. Uh, basically, the line between clever and stupid, success and failure, genius and insanity. Uh, the car industry has been littered with wrecks of startup electric vehicle companies, for example, that uh, came to market too soon or didn't develop the right idea. Probably when the original ideas for these came around, everyone thought it was very clever, but uh, <laughs> people lost money, things didn't work out. And we're in a, in a phase now of the auto industry where we're trying to integrate a wide variety of different technologies, much of which is enabled by AI or will be enabled by AI from the very beginning of the vehicle design all the way through to the other, to the consumer experience and all aspects of between manufacturing, development, retailing, et cetera. So 
car industry has a really uh, a big challenge ahead of it to integrate all of these things. And uh, the, the show that Kelly will, and I will be at later, there'll be lots of companies out there walking technologies that they want to sell to the car companies, all of which may seem very bright ideas right now, but uh, only some of them are going to succeed in the future. And it takes a very long time to integrate these technologies into the, into the car manufacturing process. There's a big difference between the tech companies and the product life cycles that they have and the apps and the information and manipulation of data. Uh, and this is a struggle for the vehicle manufacturers who have typically evolved very slowly as you go over the course of time. And to kind of make this transformation into the George Jetson era, it, it's not going to happen overnight, that's for sure. And we so have to deal somewhere with... there are some great ideas out there and there's stupid ideas and clever <laughs> ideas. We're going to go, Kelly and I go try and figure out which ones are which. <laughs> and we have to learn to handle the truth. I want you all to take a look at my background. I switched from my usual Tom from my usual logo for the show. This was created for me today in a, an app called Night Cafe Studio. I get five free credits a day. I could do 20 or if you only ask for one image at a time, it costs you nothing. And I use it to generate all kinds of art. So I said, show me what a flying car of the future will look like in different styles. And this is one of the ones that came up. James, what do you think? You like this? Would you drive oh, this, James? Would you drive this? I love it. I would drive it any day. Would you, Kelly, would you drive this? Sure. Yeah? Jeremy, yeah, what I about like you? The colors. Isn't that cool? Jeremy, would you drive Good. this? Uh, only if it's in black. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Madonna, would this be in your garage or on your on your roof? It's a flying car, Tom. Uh, well, you wouldn't be driving it; you'd be flying it. But uh, fly. would you fly not, this? Uh, look, looks like uh, a uh, concept BMW. So with the grill. Oh, you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. I have another one here. Let's go to one more. Let's see. There we go. What about that? You like that, that better? Looks like uh, that one's roadworthy. You like that roadworthy? Uh, and let's see, I have one. Might be difficult to get into. What about this one? What do you think of those colors, Kelly? You like them? I do like the colors. I think I, if I was going to fly, though, I think I'd like the second one. It seems okay. like a, more like, um, you know, the UFOs I've seen. There you go. Thank you very much. I thought I'd give you all a kick and show you what some of these uh, AI generative pictures look like or images look like. Kelly, it's time for your quote. You've picked another classic, Dory the Regal Blue Tang, voiced by Ellen DeGeneres, Finding Nemo, the 2003 American computer animated adventure film. Dory is a plucky but forgetful fish with a short-term memory loss. Okay, it was, it was done, produced by Pixar Animation. And here's the quote, and we love this one. Just keep swimming, 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 swimming 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 what does this have to do with our topic kelly Lindsay, talk to me yeah so i was thinking about um just technology and and how it's progressing right and and when people are asking for predictions and you know when is it coming and does it make sense and are we ready and what does it take to get there um you know in engineering they have something called uh, technology roadmaps and that's how people kind of put you know, their finger up and make a prediction. We have to have this happen and then this happen and then this happen and then we'll be there. So it's, you know, just keep swimming, 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 and we'll get there. And a lot of the things that people are excited about and, and, and you know, predicting that will come have a lot of detail and steps that have to happen to make it work. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of the things that we're doing are um, aspirationally great, great for the world, great for sustainability. Um, and, you know, we're not going to get there overnight. There shouldn't be that expectation, and we should just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. And the question is, if somebody envisioned, ideated, drew, put on TV the cartoon The Jetsons, how many decades ago it was in somebody's mind? The thought was there, and we're still working on it decades later. And we have to handle the truth. And it is stupid and clever. And we have to keep swimming. I haven't gotten to James's quote yet, but we'll weave this into the storytelling here. Thank you very much, Kelly. Appreciate that. Let's go to James. James has picked a quote from Mal Cobb, played by Marion Cotillard. 
to Dom Cobb, played by Leonardo DiCaprio. The movie is Inception, 2010 sci-fi action film. And there's a, let me just read a little bit about this. It was created and written and directed by Christopher Nolan, who produced it with his wife, Emma Thomas. Dom Cobb, the character I just mentioned, is a professional thief who steals information by infiltrating the subconscious of his targets in their dreams. He's offered a chance to have his criminal history erased as payment for the implantation of another person's idea into a target's subconscious. Very interesting. Mal is his deceased wife, and she's a manifestation of his guilt about the real cause of her suicide. So here is the scene. Mal says, no creeping doubts, not feeling persecuted, Dom, chased around the globe by anonymous corporations and police forces, the way the projections persecute the dreamer. And here's the line, admit it, you don't believe in one reality anymore. And then she adds, so choose, choose to be here, choose me. James, how did I do? Perfect. Thank you. Talk to me. What does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think overall the context is the fact that everybody has spoken about the art of possibility, what's coming in the future, how are we going to get there. But like you said with the George Jetsons, uh, somebody thought of this. And the reality is in our minds, right, such a beautiful mind that Christopher Nolan has, which is we can see the future, but it's different for every one of us. But an AI gives us the opportunity to really branch out the form and function of vehicles like uh, the picture that you have behind you. Maybe what we see today, but tomorrow somebody else will dream up something else. And that's the beauty of, I think, the automotive and the AI intersection of those two, where we merge, uh, you know, dreams and uh, beautiful form and functions that will work together. And the reality being, like I said before, it really, really is being shaped by new talent out there that um, I think it, it's going to come out from not just automotive space, but just those folks that have dreams out there and can see a new reality. I like that. I like that a lot. I want to thank the four of you for such very interesting quotes. The one that you picked is the newest one I haven't heard of before, James, and I pre also the Spinal Tap. We've had quotes in Spinal Tap, but never that one before, Jeremy. So thank you all. Now we're going to go into our predictions round. Here's how it's going to work. I've already picked prediction number three from Tom Madonna's list of four. I'll put it in the chat, and Tom said, okay, so we're all good. I'm going to read it. It's brief and to the point, and it's getting to a topic we haven't addressed yet that's important to this topic. When Tom is done with his three minutes, I'm not clocking you, but you know the guidelines here. When Tom's done with his three minutes, I will look around the screen and see if anybody's wiggling one of their nice fingers at me, and I'll give you two minutes to comment. It doesn't have to be agreement. It could be disagreement. You can make it provocative. While that's happening, Jeremy, I'll pick a prediction from your list. I'll put it in the chat for you, and we'll go around the table. So let's see how much we can cover. We're doing fine on time. Tom Madonna, prediction number three, says car owners should own their own data and usage. He's talking about Internet of Things, IoT, and AI, similar to their cell phones. When will legislation, whoops, catch up on both items? I think there's a question in there. Tom Madonna, three minutes. Talk to me. I think this is an interesting topic that's going to uh, bog down some of these uh, timings and execution. You know, Jim brought up uh, the art of the imagination. Well, at this point in time, we also have the art of legislation that has to be uh, played into that. Um, Jim's hair, my hair, you know, both started not automotive, but we both had black hair. And uh, just putting in, you know, <laughs> systems and manufacturing and supply chain, you can see kind of, you know, what happened. Uh, and I turned my badge in at the, uh, the OEM. He, they asked, uh, you know, was I president? And I said, uh, and I said just, like, uh, just like the president, I came out all white. <laughs> Um, the legislation pieces here are, are going to be sticky. They're going to be interesting. And long-term will have great impacts to exactly how and where that data can be used. So having been involved with some startups where uh, data is being shared between the vehicle, the traffic light, uh, predictive models to slow down and or speed up traffic so that uh, collisions can't stop and start, the camera data that's actually going through those all of those data models are inner workings between them. And we've seen just in recent history alone, uh, you know, the announcements that uh, CarPlay is going to be uh, yanked out of certain cars and they're going to create their own. 
uh, because of subscription models. So legislation, who owns the data, how that data is being used is really going to drive some of these time gates in regards to how long we have to swim. Because at this point in time, swimming, 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 it all works, but it's all got data. Everything you talk about AI, everything you talk about machine learning, it's all based upon data, good data. And once that data is used, how that data can be uh, monetized, who owns it, where and how long is that data going to be used are all there. Because you can't become, uh, you can't have a predictive model or an analytical model or uh, a true intelligent AI without the data that basically supports it. And who's going to value from that? And who's going to basically get the, the the structure to it? Legislation is always last in regards to these things. So I think the the businesses are going to have to work it out. And then from that, we'll see whether or not uh, courts and legislation comes in play. But data is king and uh, ownership should be whoever owns the vehicle. Interesting concept. Anybody have a quick rip? Oh, I see. Oh, everybody. <laughs> Let's go around. James, I saw your finger first. Go. I don't know how that came out. James, you go first. <laughs> Two minutes. Comment, please. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that. I absolutely agree with Tom. Data is going to drive the world with AI. It's going It's going to happen. It's already happening with data mesh. But I think one of the things that is, I think it's important to think about is how Europe and the EU is really driving some of those data privacy laws that are mm -hmm. not only within the EU boundaries, but how it's now is extending outside that. Now, how I, I really do appreciate what Tom has said, and I think there is, a once again, an inflection point coming along where we in the U.S., let's say, has to take a look at it, but from a global community, I think the automotive space is bigger, and there's going to be a point in time where I think one, one country or region will take the lead, and whether it be good or bad, we'll start seeing some movement there. Interesting. Kelly, I saw you wiggle a finger. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I've been thinking about it even in the life cycle of the vehicle lately and, you know, the push for circularity and recycling and not only like who owns the data, but how do we stay on top of the software that's doing things with the data, right? And and is it up to date and how do we know it's up to date and who gets yep. to um, implement it? Um, how do we, you know, govern it? Um, and, and, you know, it sort of blocks circularity when you start getting into technical components. You know, um, if you think about recycling the internal combustion engine type vehicle, it's pretty easy to, um, you know, you know, rotate or, or you know, refurbish parts that, um, you know, are very, very mechanical. But when you start integrating electronics and software into it, how do you refurbish and make that more circular and who's going to own it? And I feel like the, the, the grip that the OEMs have on it is going to slow down the circularity part of what we're trying to do here um, for our world. Kelly, the reason I'm smiling is that that's a segue into the prediction I just picked for Jeremy Byrne, and he's <laughs> queued up to do it. Jeremy, is there anything you want to say about data before I read your prediction? Go ahead. Well, uh, yeah, I think this is actually going to be a big battleground, really, because the uh, the car company, it comes down to what is a car company, right? What is the core competency of a car company? Is it to provide connectivity to this that we have, you know, that we live with all day when we're in the car for just an hour or two a day, right? So car companies occupy, own that space when we sit in the car, but ultimately the data the interactivity, the connectivity, it all comes through uh, the tech companies, right? We're still using, you know, uh, Amazon and Google and everything, when we're, even when we're driving. Yep. So it's, uh, and to be able to compete with these guys who have much shorter product development cycles um, and can have independent app developers and so on, it's going to be very challenging for the car companies. But yeah, the data is, data is king, and that's why AI is going to drive that too. Indeed. And people say data is the new water. It's the new oil. It's the new yeah. gold. I've heard it said it's not the new oil because oil has a limited reusability because it gets mm. dirty. And where do you put it when it's not usable again? But my question, and I don't want to be labeled, I'm just going to drop this in. My question as a, as a consumer, as a driver, as a buyer of cars, not in the automotive industry is, does everybody know 
that they are exchanging data with their car in some way? Do we know? Are we aware? We talk about tell your college kids, stop posting pictures with and on uh, LinkedIn and on Facebook and on Twitter and, and all of the tweet and Twitch and, and TikTok because some recruiter is going to see them someday and say, oh, we really want that person to work for our company. Nothing goes away. So the question is, do people know they're giving out their data? Do they really realize that that's, that's a whole learning curve? Let's move on. Thank you very much, Tom. Nice provocative prediction. Great start. Jeremy Byrne, prediction number two. You say AI will prolong, Kelly, listen to this, AI will prolong the viability of the internal combustion engine, which will be around till at least 2050. Do the math. It's 2023 right now. Using vehicle sensor data, traffic patterns, and geofencing, routes can be optimized based on fuel economy and reduced emissions, especially significant to fleet operators. Jeremy, we're getting tight on time. Two and a half minutes. Go ahead. Well, you had looked at the future of the industry. People see that as being electric. And uh, I, I'm certainly an advocate for electric vehicles. I spent two years working for the Electric Drive Transportation Association, which was promoting the interests of all kinds of electric driving and, and transportation. Um, but the reality is, is that we are kind of wedded to the combustion engine for a while. So we will be using AI to essentially make them more efficient, both in the way that they're, they're managed, the way they're designed and developed, and also in how they are operated, and especially for, for fleet vehicles. At the moment, the battery technology is not ready for broad-scale um, uh, adoption, certainly in the commercial sector as well. And uh, the infrastructure still has a lot of work to be done to be able to support it. So uh, I'm predicting that the combustion engine will be quite around for quite a while and that uh, smart minds will use technology, uh, AI technology, to be able to optimize the, uh, the application of the combustion engine. Thank you. Any quick comments around the table? Tom, talk. Go ahead. I think, I think 2050 is a little, is a little short. I mean, if you look at the cars that are currently driving at this point in time that can still be kept in the garage in regards to antiques and, and collectibles, et cetera, I see gas not going away until the end of the century. I see, you know, the ability to go do it. Now, can we convert the combustion engine to run on something green and therefore not pumping it out of the, out of the ground? Possibly. But at this point in time, you know, we may stop building the vehicle, you know, by 50 um, the usage of the vehicle is going to be ongoing. It's going to be something catastrophic, something that's going to basically push us over the edge to stop doing that. Uh, otherwise, uh, people are going to have the collectibles, people are going to continue to drive, and people are going to continue to want you know, fuel-based uh, engines. James, talk. No, Go ahead. Thank you. I love that. I love the sentiment. I love to see the vehicles out there. What I'm seeing is, uh, my prediction is, because of generational shift in what a vehicle is in their lives, within the next few generations, we'll cycle a lot of uh, potentially ICE vehicles and that kind of passion built. And whether it be good or bad, um, it's going to happen, I believe, in my opinion. And we're gonna see a shift, mentality shift, where vehicles are gonna be looked upon, not just as utilities, not just as passion vehicles that we keep around in our barns and et cetera, but something, something different, something that we haven't seen thus far. And it's gonna be, uh, I, I think, so, very transform, transformational. So I'd love to see what 2050 looks like. Um, but again, in my opinion, I think there's gonna be some, something that's going to be a catalyst to shift us from that mentality and as the generations come along. And, and generations, I know a lot of people are saying that the next, I don't know whether we're Y or Z or Z1 or Z, I don't know, Z, what direct generation we're going to come up with names, right, Kelly? We've run out of letters at the end of the alphabet, and we got to go to numbers soon or something, another language. But the point is, people are saying kids won't get driver's licenses because they won't be driving because, and now I'm going to go a segue into Kelly Lindsay's prediction. Wait for it. She says, mobility as a service powered by AI is here. Uber, Lyft, etc., and there are logistics as a service, delivery of your groceries or food from your favorite restaurant. And her favorite application of AI is this space is for the gig worker, the driver of the car for these services. I'm going to stop there. Kelly, why don't you finish the prediction, please? Go ahead. 
Yeah, you know, um, there's some technology that's coming together to support um, gig drivers. So gig drivers are the people that use cars or find a way to have access to a car to drive people around, do DoorDash, pick up groceries, the Instacarts, um, all, all those different things, um, even delivering goods from, um, you know, furniture stores and Home Depots and Lowe's. So you've got all these gig workers out there who um, are finding time to work when it's convenient for them in the location that's um, good for them. And um, there are data aggregators now that are using AI to say to a gig worker, hey, um, I want to work today from 12 to 5. Where's the best place to go? Where's the action? Where can I make the most money? And the, the platform is telling them you know, where the best tippers are, where they can make the most, um, how they can be more efficient with where they're moving with their vehicle, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, I just really feel like as this evolves and we're talking about fleets like Jeremy's talking about, um, the gig economy actually is a fleet. And when this technology starts to collate this information onto a platform and they're coming together, this is a massive fleet. And in, in some of the startups and things that we're seeing people do, um, you start to see like fleets of EVs um, that are for gig workers. And, and so, you know, I think AI is sort of helping fine tune the niche areas where certain things are working technology wise. Thank you very much. I'm not going to take comments on that because I'm looking at the clock. We've got seven minutes left and I have a very important prediction from James Cho that I want to read because it has to do with the image that's behind me. He says, AIs will resolve the pilot shortage for flying taxis. And I looked this up, James, as you know, and I found a an article in McKinsey.com and they said, flying cab drivers wanted. This article dates back to 2020. Air taxis are coming. Until they can fly autonomously, the nascent or nascent industry will need many pilots. Flying cabs may smack of sci-fi, if not of science fantasy. James, take, oh, you can have your whole three minutes for this one and we'll take a quick comment. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I think this is an interesting fact uh, where we know human beings are always looked upon to be the sort of the, the cushion the feel, the look and feel of it. But again, with the technology and adoption that even I think Jeremy brought up with the iPhone, we're starting to believe in, and, 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 and maybe to a fault sometimes, right? That technology can help us. And I believe that though, maybe to uh, maybe a little bit of ignorance here or not, but uh, technology is an enabler. And I think if we could use it, what I see tech flying taxis, the electric, uh, you know, vertical takeoff and, landing capabilities wasn't even a form and function of vehicles a while ago. It was, you know, a, you saw those flying cars in James Bonds, et cetera, et cetera, where it was a car with a fixed wing and it looked like, uh, you know, a machination of a plane, a small plane and a car. But now we moved into a form function like this. Why did we get here is the fact that, you know, drones have become uh, prevalent. It's become, you know, used for deliveries. And that, I believe, is a precipitous point where it's going to filter into the automotive taxi, flying taxis, because we're taking so much of those type of regulations and technologies and AI uh, advancements. I, I believe that the AI will come into a place where maybe in the next few years or 10 years from now, where they can replace uh, pilots. And, and it's great, too, if you think about it. Yes, there will be some displacements, but retooling of folks would happen. But if you think about how that explosion can really help society, bringing accessibility for those who, who need that kind of activities, obviously looking at it from a medical perspective, transports of organs and so forth, or moving patients around, obviously will be a huge social benefit to that space. And having AI so that you're not relying solely on pilots is going to be a huge enabler. And I think these are areas that we have to take a look at. Of course, there will be some uh, boundaries and probably some things that we have to kind of put our arms around technology-wise, but I just see it as a optimistic opportunity here. I like that. Anybody here want to become an air flying taxi, air taxi pilot? Jeremy says no. Kelly, what do you think? In your, in your summertime, Tom, would you do it? 
not as a, not as a job, as a, as a, as a hobby or having a, a device in the house, different conversation. I wonder what the training will be because I did a show a couple weeks ago on the future of drones and AI. And I asked my four special guests who are all in the industry, what is the training for a drone pilot, a drone dr driver, if you will? And they said, it's just a couple of weeks. <gasps> I don't know. I don't know. Jeremy, did you have a comment? I thought I saw you wiggle something. Go ahead. Um, not really, actually. No, nope. uh, I, I do. I, I do recall seeing a presentation about flight, and it, it does make a lot of sense, right? If you, particularly in highly congested areas, you want to get people from one side of the city to the other. A flying taxi will do it in in no time, right? If it's New York or and the question Shanghai, is, if, wherever. You, if you're in New York and you're hailing a cab, where do you do it? Do, you can't stand <laughs> on the corner of 52nd stand and Madison. On the roof. <laughs> taxi, taxi, and that be, opens up new architecture <laughs> issues, right? And and traffic above ground, and what the protocol is, and is it an app on your phone that hails a cab? And are they competing for right, Kelly, Uber, and Lyft? Are they on the block? Who's the first one to answer the call? Which driver gets the gig? Very interesting. But James, one thing I don't think I heard you mentioned was it may become a prestige job i'm a flying taxi pilot i'm a sexy person you know well what what do you do for a living what does your dating profile look like think about it. and it's exciting right james would you do it james well the way you put it definitely <laughs> I, I never blow kisses on this show you got the first one in 12 years there you go james just interesting people are looking for right we're talking about upskilling we're talking about reskilling we're talking about jobs being lost but what about exciting opportunities opening up what if some kid always wanted to fly a plane he said well i can't be a pilot but i'll pilot an air taxi why not right? I think there's a lot coming. So we have got about two and a half minutes left to the show, and I'm just going to ask for a one-line prediction on the topic, but I'm going to give you my prediction first. My prediction is Tom Adana, Kelly Lindsay, Jeremy Byrne, and James Cho are going to accept my invitation to come back in about a month and a half for part two with the rest of their predictions, and they're going to send me a new quote. What do you think? Will, it, will we all be able to make this prediction come true? James, do I have a thumbs to. up from you? Kelly, Kelly already nodded, yes. There you go. Okay, one line prediction, one sentence, not a paragraph, one sentence on where we're going with this, the future of automotive and AI, good, bad, or ugly. What would George Jetson, what would George Jetson say? Let's do that. Jeremy, what would George say after we've had this discussion? Uh, well, I never actually watched the Jetsons, so I don't really know what kind of a fellow he is um, or, or how smart he is. But if we, I think if we talk about things like flying taxis, we, we still have a bigger challenge even with like autonomous vehicles. We haven't really even touched on that side of it yet. Okay, uh, I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you there. Kelly, one sentence. We got to read, read. Go ahead, Kelly. One sentence. Keep swimming, swimming, swimming. There you go. Tom Madonna. I'm sorry, Jeremy. Tom, one sentence. George Picard, John Picard, engage. Engage. Okay. James Cho. Yes. George will say, let's do it. And I would quote uh, Ross from Friends, where they're trying to get the couch up the stairs. It was a police episode. And he says, pivot, pivot, pivot. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> I want you all to join me in getting ready to wag your finger. We didn't rehearse this. Everybody put your finger up. And on the count of three, you're going to join me in saying no, 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 as loud as you can. People say the future is already here. And our answer is one, two, three. No, no, no. That's because that was yesterday's future or the future 30 seconds ago or three seconds ago. It's gone. We're all going to do our best to make it a better future, aren't we? I'll talk to you all soon. Stay around. We're going to pick a date. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. Oh